0: You good? Yep. Alright. Um, pull up my notes. You good? You good? Yes. Alright.
1: Are you going to ask me that a hundred times while we're recording? Yes. This? I'm
0: just going to, in the middle of the conversation, I'm just going to ask you if you're good.
1: You know, my favorite part of Yakuza 0 is, Are you alright? You okay? <laughs> <laughs> you
0: okay right now? You alright? Welcome. Good Games Podcast. My name is James, and in for Leo is the wonderful Zach Romero. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy you could help us fill in. Uh, No John on this episode either. He has not played any of the Yakuza games, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And you are a Yakuza expert, Zach. (laughs) I wouldn't say expert, but I would say certainly major fanboy. And I'm almost disappointed
1: we didn't have John in on this. Uh Just to really kind of throw it to him... Having no clue what the hell we're talking about, right? Just be like, "Oh, what do you think of Majima's plight as a character in the
0: series?" And just have him be like, "I don't, I don't know." That's my favorite part of having John as a host is his to throw uh, to him. mm -hmm.
1: Just throw him in the deep end. That's basically exactly exactly yeah. Toss
0: John in the deep end. That's that's his role on the cast. Just throw John in the deep end. But uh, yeah, so we're talking about uh, what Yakuza Mm Zero more specifically. Specifically Yakuza Zero, but I figured we could talk about a little bit about the entire series. And how, because uh, I, I feel like Yakuza Zero is not only, for people who have not played this series, it's not only the best place to start, but I'd argue the best game in the series. Now, it's interesting that you bring that up because, okay, okay. uh, I wanted to, I
1: agree, first of all, let me mm-hmm. say that. Secondly, I wanted to try to relate this to film in some way. Okay. I don't know if there's really an example of this where, like, the prequel, because, Yakuza 0 was originally released in uh, 2015 in Japan, 2017 uh, worldwide, and is the precursor to a series of games that has been uh, going on for over a decade. So they start basically from scratch, go with this prequel to introduce new fans to the series and kind of be a good introduction point. Mm -hmm. Um, And as, as you pointed out, it may in fact be the best game in the series. And so, as buckwild as it sounds, that would be as though when Phantom Menace came out, it was, (laughs) hands down, the greatest Star Wars movie that was ever made in the series. Like, that's what we're talking about here in terms of mind-boggling, like, wait, 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 wait. The prequel is the best game? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they had a lot of hindsight there. They had a lot of ability to be like, well, here's all the best parts of the later entries, which were arguably our
0: best. right. So now we've polished it, and now it's the best it's going to get. Bring him back, introduce the characters, and but, but while we're introducing the characters, let's sprinkle in some of the stuff we know the fans love from the later games. Exactly. Now, to further extend your film analogy... Uh, the tone of this game is something I've had trouble locking in because it's all over the place. Now, So what? so
1: I've, I've put some thought into this as well. Yeah, if yeah, I was going yeah. to explain this game to someone, mm-hmm. the, the, the Yakuza series yeah. in general. For people was, who haven't played it. If I was going to explain it, especially yeah. with Zero because Zero takes place in the late 80s. Right. I would say picture in your mind Grand Theft Auto Vice City. The Good. size and scale of yep. that game. Mm-hmm. And the main story is the film
0: Scarface.
1: Yes. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. the twist is that any minigame involved in it is Mario Party. Right. That is really the best way to
0: describe this, I think. I described it a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were talking, I think, to one of our other friends who has not played this game. I described it as, as if um, the Shawshank Redemption and the Fast and the Furious... We're all one movie. Just the, it's the same movie. Right. Like, it, it, there's no... And it's it, still two and a half hours long. It's right. still a regular movie. Yeah. But... but it's both those movies. That's, that's a great way to that's, put it. That's what the tone of this game feels like. It, but it nails... It nails the, like, super-duper, like, ultra-dramatic, serious parts. As well as the, like, goofy bullshit. But, like, nothing feels dissonant there. That's like, true. That, I think, is the magic. Because... The, the because, magic is there's, like, these... Wild extremes in tone that
1: somehow work? Well, because they say in in filmmaking, you know, that's where comic relief comes from. Mm -hmm. It's like if you've been building tension in a story for long enough, people eventually need a break. Right. They need something to kind of cut the tension a little bit so that... Because you get... um, minima's returns basically you get diminished returns when when you're just building tension 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 eventually your audience is just going to get worn out Mm -hmm. so i feel like yakuza zero kind of does that in terms of like well our our main plot is going to be very very serious but if you need your own comic relief you can take a break at any point and go goof around with like other wacky stuff that we've come up with but like you said the fact that It does still work and feel balanced. And I think partially that's because of your main character, Kiryu. Mm -hmm. Because Kiryu is so deadly serious in every regard. Even if he's doing something goofy, he's
0: still completely serious. I feel like that's
1: your connecting factor.
0: Kiryu is not aware of the extremes in tone. True. He is is all the exact same. He treats everything with the same amount of seriousness and, like, whatever. And conviction and just down the middle. He treats minigames like... One of my favorites, the pocket racing minigame, he treats losing in that the same way he treats like losing a fight to one of the Yakuza rivals or something like that. It's the same expression, it's the same emotion that he has, yeah.
1: And yeah, I guess that's probably the connecting factor. It's just the fact that even if the situation itself, because everybody always talks about the karaoke minigame in this game, Uh um, which is basically just a regular rhythm game, uh, like Guitar Man or, Mm -hmm. or Rock Band or any of those games. But, as you're hitting the buttons in the in the rhythmic order to try to get the highest score, meanwhile, the background of the game is the most buck-wild visuals of Kiryu singing his heart out in kind of like a music video almost starts. Yeah. And I think that really kind of encompasses it. Yes. It's just, it's such a goofy premise, but he is so committed to it that you're like, no, it's just as serious as the, you know... Yeah political intrigue and death and, you know, climbing the ladder and blah, 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 blah of, of the actual story. This line.
0: ultra, ultra serious Yakuza, like, organized crime member is also singing karaoke and treating it with the same amount of seriousness that he would a Yakuza meeting. And, or I, th- and I think it nails it better than, like, the GTA games do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. I've always had a problem with the tone in GTA. Like, even... Th- the- it, it- Regardless,
1: even Vice City, which mm-hmm. was a much more neon colored and a lot more like lighthearted, I guess you could say, take on GTA, everyone still said the same thing. You just played long enough to unlock everything, like mm-hmm. unlock the town, unlock some weapons, and then you just had to hell with the storyline and you just goofed around and did what you yeah. wanted. The, Yakuza Zero does not fall into that same trap. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of, yeah, you know, you can goof around and stuff like that, but the story has. Is is a really well told story on its own, Mm -hmm. and also it's a very very fun game to play. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about some of the specifics of the game. So basically, Yakuza Zero introduces you to a lot of characters that play a large part in the series, Mm -hmm. and introduces you into the cities that you're taking that all the games take place in, and just sort of the world that uh, the story encompasses. So let's talk a little bit about like characters that happen to jump out at you so we get to obviously meet kiryu we obviously get to meet
0: uh, majima yeah who and, um, and get their kind of backstories and like majima for longtime fans is kind of known as like kiryu's rival he's right. just obsessed with fighting kiryu but in this game you actually you're playing as majima so um, and it it really delves into what makes majima tick it as, gives him a lot more depth as a character yeah 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 um and so
1: He's in charge of this kind of, like, you get to really see another side of this world that they build through Majima. Because Kiryu is always sort of an outsider. Mm -hmm. Even in the, you know, Yakuza hierarchy, he's always either trying to get out or he's like, well, I don't really do the same things. Like, I don't really kill people. I, like, I'm kind of an
0: outsider in that series. (laughs) And it's so funny because it seems like those two things are fundamentally at odds because Kiryu is a person with, like, a really, really strict moral code right. that he holds above everything else, but he's also a member of organized crime. Yeah. And a lot of the game is Kiryu trying to resolve his moral code against like whatever the Yakuza are telling him to do. Right. Whether yeah. it be
1: you know, whatever our CD kind of business they're involved in. Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I
1: think I think the game gets around that in terms of he, Kiryu is Superman. He's the strongest yeah. person that's ever lived. Yeah. So like you know when you go well why would, why would the organized family even keep him around if he's going to be a wet blanket and not want to participate in drug dealing and stuff it's like because he could kick anybody's ass so yes. it doesn't really matter. And yeah. yeah. Like, oh alright well I guess that's why they would keep him around. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Majima you get to see like kind of the real underbelly of, of Japan in this time. This mm-hmm. fictional Japan. Um because he's part of the cabaret clubs, he's basically like a nightclub um, general manager, mm-hmm. and so you get to see like the kind of crazy characters involved in that as well, which is interesting. Um, because, like you said, Kiryu is such on a moral high ground; you don't necessarily see the real dark depths of right. that sort of like living fast, crime kind of, you know. Lifestyle choice, whereas Majima is just in, the,
0: in the, his neck deep in it. Basically, that's interesting. I never. You're, you're right, though. They use Majima to explore the seedier side of the. Because you Akusa, never get yeah. there, because mm-hmm. Kiryu
1: doesn't judge anybody, and yeah. so, and and tries to keep his hands as clean as he can. So you're not. You're never really going to come across these same sort of characters in any more than just like, oh, it's a boss. Like go fight them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about some of the things that are maybe. Um, some criticisms that people have of this
0: game. Okay. Spe- mm-hmm. That's fair. Because I, I, as we, as anyone listening to this can tell, uh, you and I are pretty big fans of this game, but I think it's fair to be uh, a little bit critical of Yakuza 0. So I've As heard, good as it is. I've
1: heard criticisms about the... Um, like Not necessarily like the leveling up process nef- mm-hmm. necessarily, but like the skill tree sort of okay. system and things like that, mm-hmm. that it's a little confusing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've now played... Zero, Kiwami one, and Kiwami two, Mm -hmm. the leveling up systems are all basically in the same. They're all sort of adjacent to each other. None of them are just as straightforward as I think some people want in a game. Mm -hmm. But that takes me to um, a point that I've always made about like Dead Rising. I am open to play a game how it wants to be played. Okay. I'm not one to throw a fit necessarily if it's like, well, this game has like this kind of interface. So this game has. This kind of mechanic to it. I feel like there is a there is a demographic of people that are like, well, I want the game to play like this, and if it doesn't, then it's a bad game. Because mm-hmm. like with with Dead Rising, big complaint was, well, I hate this whole like keeping time mechanic. This yep. is stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's trying to add tension, and that's how the game wants to be played. So same thing with like the skill trees. It's like uh, once you kind of figure it mm-hmm. out, you're like, oh, okay. So I'm
0: trying to better myself through this. Okay, fine. I think a lot of a lot. Of what I think some people could find jarring about Yakuza Zero and the Yakuza games in general
1: is Mr. Lubido.
0: <laughs> is Mr. Libido but also um, j- how much of the game is just reading dialogue, listening to characters, watching cutscenes. It's as much of an interactive movie as it is a video game. I I I think a lot of that, that. A lot of that, and and that's also a lot of the strength of that game. Is um, how it develops character. I think how it develops characters through you know the cutscenes, through the dialogue, through. True. Um, I don't, and you can disagree with me if you want. I don't think the strength of Yakuza Zero or any of the Yakuza games is the gameplay. I think it's the storytelling and the character development. That's an interesting take. Well,
1: I was just gonna say your your point about it being like an interactive movie. I mm-hmm. remember when Metal Gear Solid Five came out. Right. That was a huge criticism against it. Was like this is just a movie that I'm having to hit like you MGS know just four right or four. You're right. Yeah. Uh, that I have to hit like quick time events. Yeah. For. Yeah. like, like they're This they're is good. garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the solution would have been give Snake goofy mini-games to play, and then no one's (laughs) going to complain about
0: that. Or just, like, make sure your cutscenes are, like, really gripping, because they are in Marcus A Zero. No,
1: when a motherfucker has to cut off his finger because he's brought shame to the family, that's like,
0: whoa, that is a very tense scene. All of those cutscenes, like, there was not a single cutscene in that game where I was like, alright, come on. I'm going to go get a sandwich or something. Yeah, yeah. No, Mm -hmm. no, no. Like, every cutscene had me fucking by the balls. I was into all of them. Uh, I would say another criticism is uh, the game is very hand-holdy at the beginning.
1: Like, okay. I yeah. remember mm-hmm. um, Luna was watching me play it. Mm-hmm. and Your wife? Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was super bent out of shape for the first like two chapters. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, it's so linear. And it does not give you any room to move. It's just, you're doing exactly what it's telling you to do in the order that it tells you to do it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And she was very turned off from the whole experience, until mm-hmm. you do get far enough in that it's like, okay, now just
0: do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And then she
1: was completely enthralled.
0: Now I know one of her favorite things about Yakuza 0 was the Cabaret Club minigame. Right. Uh, do you want to talk about... Well, I was going to save that for our, okay, our okay. breakdown segment, but
1: um, but we can do sort of a quick run of just sort of... Um, I think we could just do highlights of, of the game, things that we love.
0: a lot of... Um, a lot of Yakuza 0 is minigames. That's, so it's a it's a big open world city, Kamurocho, the, where the game setting is. And there's just side quests in minigames all over the city. And I think the side quests in minigames are also one of the best parts of Yakuza. I would agree with that. Because you'll just be wandering around and a character will approach you and just... You'll, you'll immediately be transported into some bizarre premise... Imagine Final Fantasy 7, but instead of the random
1: encounters, yes. instead it's like, hey, I lost my dog, and I'm also married to my dog, and I need you to... Legally, and I need you to find him for me, or else we're gonna have to get a divorce. So yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. what?
0: Like, that's... I, I am a statue. I am a human statue, and I have to pee really bad, but... It'll break the illusion of me being a statue if I pee. As an artist, I can't break that illusion. I need you to distract the masses of people by being a fucking dumbass goofball while I sneak off to pee. Can you do this for me? (laughs) Can you sing a cappella when you are
1: super serious and a known assassin to distract these people long enough so I can go take a leak?
0: Yeah, these are all side quests in Yakuza 0. Or the
1: guy with the really kick-ass jacket who can't make
0: it across a bridge because he keeps getting beat up and you have to be his bodyguard. Or... Or the time when Kiryu helped Michael Jackson and Steven Spielberg film Thriller. Yeah, and who had to defend
1: him from zombies coming down the the, the, the alleyway. Yep, like, yep. All, all... Or Mr. Libido, we,
0: we, we <laughs> mentioned yeah, You brought him. up Mr. Di- libido. What the fuck is Mr. Libido? I don't really know, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. And I've played the game. Um... Yeah, at a certain point, you just
1: see this weird, older, gyrating man in, like, a baby's diaper. Uh Uh-huh. Who's just the town perv, I guess. Yep. And uh, he just keeps showing up, and you have to share, like, sexy nudie cards that you find on the street. And it's a very odd thing. But I love that even, like, Kiryu in the game is like... Oh, that old guy is really throwing his dick around a lot. That's very upsetting
0: to look at. Like,
1: like even like the game itself is like, wow. I don't know why we put that in. Sorry, that's real weird. <laughs> um, what about Mister Shakedown?
0: Ooh, yeah. Here's my strategy with Mister Shakedown. I never fought him ever. Every time I saw him, I ran down the opposite street.
1: I found that very interesting mm-hmm. as a way to again build tension. Is the game tells you don't fight him. You're yeah. gonna be you're gonna be outmatched. Yeah, yeah. By the way, what is Mr. Shakedown? So Mr. Shakedown, right when you first enter the game, uh, the game warns you that there's like this huge brute mm-hmm. in a suit that just kind of like walks around the city, and if he runs into you and can catch up to you, he'll fight you, and if he beats you, he takes like half your money. Yep. Now that sounds like kind of a BS like mechanic to keep like. ...the capitalism and the, the, right, the yeah, economy yeah. of the game in place. Yeah. But you really don't run into him as much as you as you think. Right. However, is he not just the same as Mr. X from Resident Evil 2? Yeah, basically. You're just kind of... You see him on the map and you're like... Whoa!
0: And you run away and it adds tension. He doesn't actually like chase you. He's not... If he sees you, he'll follow you. But he's usually like really slow. It's right. easy to juke him out or outrun right. him or whatever. The interesting thing is... If he steals your money... Sometimes you can, like, get the jump on him because he'll, like, fall asleep at, like, he'll be, like, sleeping in a park and you're like, ooh, I can get the jump on Mr. Shakedown. Which is
1: also a kind of mini game of its own Uh because you're just sort of, like, pickpocketing him while he's sleeping and there's, like, kind of a sleepy scale. And if he wakes up, he's pissed and you're going to have to fight him. Yeah. So that's really interesting as well. So, again, even mechanics that would normally be like, oh, so you're just trying to keep me broke so that I have to keep grinding up. Even things like that have an interesting spin to them mm-hmm. in this game series. And then just visually, it's very interesting to look at. The, the city's alive. It's very like, well lit. Um, one criticism I will actually give of the game is uh, the timing of the game is more so just to fit into the timeline of the series. Yeah. More yeah, so yeah, than, yeah. than an aesthetic choice. Yeah, no, you're right. Because to be a prequel to the game's... It's like, well, it technically has to be set in like '88. Yeah. It does not feel like the 80s at all in this game. Other not than the really. fact that there's like one side character who's like, oh, I have a portable phone and it's this big block. Yeah, big briefcase and it's phone. Hooked yeah. to a briefcase. Yeah. Other than that, there really isn't any like. Like people don't talk like it's the '80s. There's not '80s no. slang. Mm-mm. There's not '80s music. Like,
0: not really. No. It feels
1: like it could be taking place today, and it doesn't yep. really change mm-hmm. anything. So that was kind of a bummer for me because I was I very much enjoy like the '80s kind of goofy nostalgia.
0: So that was a little bit of a disappointment, but nothing I couldn't get over. Tell you one thing: I thought I was going to have a problem with that. I actually love now in in retrospect. So when you start up this game, uh, it's. The opening, like, few cutscenes are, like, narrated and voice acted in Japanese. In Japanese, yeah. And there's English subtitles. And I was like, okay, let me just go into the options so I can get the English voices because I don't want to have to read subtitles the whole time. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no option for that. No. Mm-hmm. It's in Japanese. Deal with it. Yeah, it's in Japanese. Fucking deal with it. And I was like, ooh, this could be a problem. I, now that I've finished this game and I've played other, yeah, you because know, I cannot... Imagine playing this game with English voices, and I know one of the upcoming games is going to have a fully localized option with full English voiceover. I think I'm going to go in, disable the English, enable the Japanese. I can't imagine this game because so much of this game, like, so much of this game is about Japan and Japanese culture and the Yakuza and all that stuff. It feels very appropriate that all of the characters are speaking in Japanese. Like, it it would... I don't know. There would just be something jarring about listening to it in English. And I can't imagine anyone's voice... The voice acting... Like, obviously, neither you, you nor me speak Japanese. Right. But, like, how good the performances of these voice... Like, the performance comes through... Even though it you don't... It transcends language. It transcends language. Absolutely. I, and Kiryu and Majima's voice actors do such a good job. Actually, all of the voice actors right. in the game no, do all such... No, all the,
1: the, the high-ups in the, in the crime yeah. family. Oh, like, God, yeah. There's some really dramatic performances. Mm-hmm. And it also helps that the graphics are great and they really capture the emotions great, really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree. Like, I can't even imagine... And also, you know... If you've ever watched like Asian horror films or anything like that with the English dubs, it's never the same. It's never the same. It's right. always like, Ugh, Yeah. That doesn't sound as good as it probably, or it doesn't quite match the the performance, so why even bother? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, some other options here. So, yeah, like I said, the game in general is just so much fun to play. Uh, the hand-holding in the beginning is a little annoying, but once, like I said, once the world opens up, then it's, it's an absolute blast. Um, the, I, I don't really have much to complain about, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the storyline is great. The mini games are are well worth the price of admission. And also because it was a prequel, it, it didn't seem to ever be at a huge price point. Like they knew Mm -hmm. it's a shorter game. It's like, if you play it straight through, it's something like, I want to say it's like, 12 15 hours something like that if you play Mm -hmm. just the story no side quests um, it's a relatively quick game but it's definitely one where you can make your own fun Mm -hmm. definitely and there's so many goofy characters and and weird moments and then yeah so you're going through this whole story and you're finding out about Kiryu and Majima the only real I think hard criticisms that we had was the biggest obstacle and the biggest um, downside of this game of Yakuza 0 Is that it has to act as a prequel. Okay, what do you mean? Because when you get to the end of the game, Mm -hmm. and you're fully committed and invested in these characters, there are certain leaps and jumps that the story has to make in order to fit in with what's coming up in the first game.
0: Do we want to have a spoiler threshold so you can be specific about what you're talking about? Yeah, probably. Alright. If this game sounds amazing, you should... Stop listening to us talk about it and go play it. Uh, you can skip ahead to our top five discussion we'll later in, in the, the show. In the description, we'll put what time the top yes. five starts. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um, also, if you've never heard of this game, it's not totally your fault. Um, Sega oh, yeah, does, that's true. Don't feel bad if this is all news to you. I was I was just about to say, this game's amazing. Sega does a terrible job up until recently of marketing this game in the West. It, it has previously just been like... Ah, uh, this is all about Japan and the Yakuza. Let's only uh, localize this and sell it and market it and whatever in Japan, and they've ignored.
1: And also, let, let, let's. I want to be clear about this. You don't have to be. A Japanophile to no. enjoy this game. No, no, no. That uh, would be yeah. like saying, like, you can't enjoy GTA unless you're an Italian stereotype. Like, right. no, this is just a very fun, interesting game to play, and it's very affordable, especially Zero, because they knew it's just a prequel, so it was like, I bought mine for like 30 bucks new. So mm-hmm. it's it's a very affordable game, and you're getting a lot out of it, so.
0: So definitely go play that shit right now. Uh, this is your spoiler warning. From here on out, we're going to be discussing specific details of the game's story, uh, uh, probably discussing how the story ends. Yeah. So if you don't want to hear that shit, stop listening.
1: Three, two, one.
0: Okay, spoilers. So yeah, so at the end
1: of the game, Majima has kind of gone through this wacky adventure, mm-hmm. and it revolves around this girl who he clearly has feelings for. Makoto. yeah, this blind woman, mm-hmm. and she somehow comes out of the story alive. Right and then the elephant in the room is like, well, in the rest of the series, Majima is batshit crazy. Right. How do we get to this point? And then the game doesn't really give a good reason. It's just no. sort of like he goes, I don't
0: know, man, I feel like I should probably be pretty crazy now. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, the The job of, from a narrative standpoint, the job of Yakuza 0 is to introduce these characters which um, both Kiryu and Majima are kind of just Blank-slate Yakuza at the beginning? Yeah. They're they're nobody special. Kiryu... I mean, later on, Kiryu goes on to have this reputation as being this ultimate badass. Right. He's the dragon of Dojima whatever. He is not that at the beginning of the game. He's just a dude in the Yakuza. Right. Same... More like or less... Like a grunt, basically. He's a grunt. More yeah. or less the same thing with Majima. The narrative lifting that Yakuza 0 has to do is get these characters from introduction to where they, you know become later in the series. Uh, So, like, you need to show Kiryu being a badass, and you need to show how Majima has this tragic... Or... uh, You have to take Majima from blank slate Yakuza, point A, to being batshit fucking insane later in the Yakuza series and just being Kiryu obsessed. Right. He's just fucking obsessed with Kiryu and wants to fight him, wants to... Well, that he's better and... Maybe wants to bang him. I don't Could know. Be. He's just Kiryu obsessed. And I think that's a double fail on... Like, I, there was nothing in the story that convinced... Their paths him.
1: don't really cross. No. So there's no real reason for him to be obsessed with they Kiryu. They kind of start,
0: I think Majima gets Kiryu's business card at yeah. one point, but then... That's not really, like, a jumping off point for Majima to be like, Oh my god, I'm, I, I want to know. the Goku to my Vegeta. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And then number two, yeah, his ending, although very dramatic and very tense, mm-hmm. wraps itself up in almost too nice of a package right. that he's back at square one, right. but then decides, like, I'm, I'm just deciding to ride it out crazy for the last few years. And it's like, <laughs>
0: all right, <laughs> David DeVito, that's fine, but... And I think you and I agreed. So um, Majima's story, he gets he gets wrapped up in this big plot, but he's sent to assassinate this girl, Makoto, when he shows up, he finds out this girl. Um, she's uh, she's been through a bunch of trauma. She's like she's trauma blind. She's trauma blind, exactly. For the she like there's nothing physically wrong with her, but for some reason she's lost her eyesight, and it's just entirely psychological. So um, instead of assassinating this person, like Majima befriends her, and then realize she's caught up in this huge plot of all, all the Yakuza... Land grabbing and underhanded yes. deals and yes. all other All the shit. Yakuza are gunning for this girl, so it becomes Majima's goal, like, okay, I'm going to protect her, I'm going to get to the bottom of this plot, like, figure out why there's all these assassins coming after her, and I'm going to protect her, whatever. But at the end of the story, she comes out unscathed. Uh, I think it would have been... I think you and I agreed... Yes. ...that in order to complete the objective for Majima to be, you know, devolve into this super crazy pants wild card.
1: Yeah, like the most dangerous man in, in this in this whole yeah, story. Yeah,
0: because Kiryu gets the reputation he's the dragon of Dojima and right. Majima gets the reputation he's the mad dog right. of Shimano or whatever right, yeah. his family name is. Uh, in order to get there, I think Makoto, this person that Majima had sworn to protect and definitely had feelings for... I think she needed to die. Oh, 100%. She needed to die. Because then it's
1: an ultimate failure for Majima, and right. then that breaks him. And then oh, yes. this is why he can rebuild yes. himself. Yes, as yes, like, yes, 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 Well,
0: yes. I'll just never feel again, and I'll just be a crazy person, and then yeah, i yeah. run into this again. And I wanted to see... Now that I'm playing a little bit of you know Yakuza 1, Yakuza right. Kiwami, uh, which is the remake of Yakuza 1. Now that I'm seeing how fucking batshit crazy Majima is in that game, and how just single-mindedly just Kiryu just all he wants to do is fight Kiryu all he wants to do is be around Kiryu it's just Kiryu 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 Kiryu. he wants to fight fuck and eat Kiryu that's basically his three master objectives that is what he is living for in Yakuza Kiwami there's no there's nothing in in Yakuza 0 it just Yakuza Kiwami like Yakuza 1 starts and then Majima just goes from like zero to 100% Kiryu obsessed yeah. with, like, no fact, no, there's no nothing. Setup, yeah. yeah,
1: And then, uh, and we also talked about how the amount of death that Kiryu sees as a character yeah. should have made him into yes, Majima. Yes, like, 100%. Like, everyone yeah. he's ever known, loved, or even shared eye contact with dies because of him in some way. Yes. And yet yeah. he's
0: just like... Well, that's life, it's a very strange thing. Like, oh,
1: okay, like, why, why aren't you crazy?
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, Kiryu should have been the one broken at the end of that story, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I was to say, any specifics that now that we're in the spoiler zone that you want to discuss as like favorite moments? Obviously, I can't remember his name. The, the guy who basically is Majima before Majima with the oh, blood yeah. boners and the oh, like, why they kill people. There's yeah. some really insane characters introduced in this game. Yeah. And same with um, cutscenes. Like the, the scene where that character and Majima mm-hmm. are going to fight in the club for the first time. And Majima's like, well, I'm the general manager. I'm not fighting anyone in this club. So then the guy calls the cops on himself. Like, <laughs> hey, there's a crazy person here. And he's got a knife and he's going to fucking kill everybody. It's real it's real bad. You should tell the owner. <laughs> well, now you got to fight me. Like, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like that is Mashima. That is what Mashima. There becomes. should have been like some kind of fusion dance or something like yes. that. Yeah, to like yeah, yeah. brought in- some
0: some reason Mashima was inspired by that crazy right. behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, no, one of my favorite parts in the story was like one of the super dramatic parts where uh, basically there's a hit out on Kiryu, and literally everyone in the entire Japanese yakuza, the entire clan. Everyone wants to kill Kiryu. There's this big hit out on him. He's betrayed the family. Kiryu needs to die, whatever. So his best friend, Nishikiyama, uh, rescues him. And they're like, hey, we we gotta get the fuck out of here. Everyone in this city is trying to kill you. So they, like, drive out into the country. And there's this big, intense confrontation where uh, Kiryu's like... Did you drive me out here to kill me? Is that what this is? Or are you are you gonna collect the hit on me? i become like, like a maid man. Yeah. And he's like, well, go ahead, do it. Like, shoot me in the fucking face. And yeah, very and dramatic. Nishikiyama has this gun pointed at his best friend's face, and Kiri's like, go ahead, pull the trigger, bitch. Yeah. And he can't do it. He's like, I uh, I I'm sorry, I just can't. Like, you're you're my friend, whatever, whatever. So then I don't know. That was one of my favorite, like, oh my god, this is intense as fuck. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Kawami um, mm-hmm. because. Although there
1: are some downfalls in terms of storytelling and connecting Zero to the rest of the series, right. especially the Majima, um, what it does do very well is give a lot of backstory to characters who do play a part in the first game, yes. but maybe yeah, don't yeah. get as much time to shine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Nishiki is one of them. Like yeah. He's supposed to be Kiri's best friend, and you gather that to a certain extent in Kawami 1, Yeah, but because of the ups and downs of zero Mm -hmm. and and that scene that you pointed out, you really have a feel for him so that, you know, his when his his character turns later on in one it carries so much more weight yes. as you as a player, yeah. Yeah, yeah. not just as an audience member where they're like, well, we're telling you they're very good friends. And yeah, this yeah. is upsetting Kiryu. No, you've it's seen like, them be good friends. You've yeah. experienced
0: it yourself, so that's hurting you just as much as Kiryu. You've seen that scene in Zero where Nishiki like, had every reason in the world to pull that trigger, but right. just couldn't do it because no. he loved Kiryu too, too much. much. Yeah. So, exactly. it because, yeah, you're right. When he has that tragic downfall, it's like, oh no! Right. It's that much more tragic. Right.
1: It, it, yeah. it plays such a big bigger role and then same thing with uh, you know you you basically interact with the head of the whole family the whole clan mm-hmm. and he plays a small role in the first game and gets killed off yeah. and I watched that in the first one and was like this has no weight to it yeah. if, like, if, if this was the first game you were playing you're like, like okay some guy died whatever okay so the boss died fine whatever yeah. but after playing and seeing all the ups and downs and like oh he, he kind of went to bat yeah. for you a couple times but yeah. then he didn't because he's a yeah. son of a bitch like Again, you as a player have the weight and and the the exposition going in, Mm -hmm. so that when it does happen, you're like, oh my god, you're you're getting the result that they wanted, Mm -hmm. but can't accomplish with just like, uh, take our word for it, he's very important, like, (laughs) it doesn't carry the same weight. So, um, the other thing, let's talk about some of these specific minigames, and I guess, our top min- mini games in general that's yeah, that's what I was planning on doing. Okay. Just top. We could have gone just one of the best mini games in, in Yakuza. because yeah. Holy shit! But yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. wanted to kind of branch out a little bit. But yeah. I think we should start with the mini games of Yakuza. Okay. Just to kind of keep the uh, the things going here. So the one the first one I'm going to mention is the one from uh, Zero, which is the Cabaret Club. Yeah. Brought it up earlier. Yes. So
0: and, yeah. The 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 narrative uh, justification for this is Majima It's kind of sort of a front for his Yakuza business. He runs this cabaret club. Right. Uh, but there's a mini game where you can actually manage the club, like manage. Yeah, it's
1: supposed to just basically. You're exactly right. It's just supposed to be a cover. It's yeah. like, a, it's like, you know, uh, whatever. It's just sort of like window dressing for this like actual CD business. Yeah. But the game's also like, or you can just ignore the CD business and just and help run like the Dunder Mifflin
0: of this fucking cabaret club. like really oh, take okay. this cabaret club absolutely seriously. Let's... And it has
1: its own set of characters and yes, like, yes, and and all and ins and outs and storytelling and mm-hmm. things like that. It's not just It's not just a time waster. Because there are some. Like you can do like claw machines in arcade games. Or you can play emulators of old Sega games in the arcades. And those are just time wasters. There's not really like a full, like we've put thought into this. It's just sort of like, oh this is fun. Mm -hmm. But Cabaret Mm -hmm. Club, the real estate deal. There are some in-depth stories and characters here that... You know, for people who are like, what do you mean you have having these side quests? Like, no, 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 you don't understand. The side quest is worth the money, baby. Like, the story's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is where you're getting your enjoyment, and you're getting your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, basically, the Cavalry Club is incredibly addicting as, mm-hmm. a, as a gameplay mechanic because it basically takes all the fundamentals of like the most popular like mobile games okay. on your phone. It's basically like a glorified Diner Dash, if you've ever played that. Mm-hmm. You basically have like six different tables. And you're in charge of managing their assets, the talent, you know, um, finding the right combinations because clients will come in and they basically want to just have these conversations with these good looking women. And so that's basically what the Cabaret Club works. So you have a roster of women and some have specialities. like this one's really good at talking about. This, and this one's really good at partying, so if you have a clientele that comes in that wants to party, you combine combinations. But it's also on a timer. There's also battles that happen in terms of there's other cabaret clubs that you're competing with. Right. And so it ends up just spiraling into this whole huge thing, which as soon as that unlocked in the game for us, which is about, what, maybe a third of the way in... Mm -hmm. We derailed the entirety <laughs> right, of the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. this point it was like, I don't give a shit about the family or the clan or like Kiryu's life, I don't give a shit about any of that. And it's right in the middle where it's like, oh, mashima has gotta go say so I don't give I don't
0: care what you gotta do. <laughs> we're we're handling strippers is what we're doing. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, majima has got this girl tied up in his basement, whatever, protecting her. Yeah, like, oh yeah, but-
1: man, I gotta figure this shit out.
0: <laughs> but first, gotta go clock it at the club because, God, Lord knows I
1: need this money. Um, and so you can cut. So, like I said, it 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 harbors all the gameplay mechanics of like the most addictive mm-hmm. mobile game, mm-hmm. while also having some customization elements because your top girls that have the best stats. You can also customize what they're wearing, yep. and the real great thing about Zero is there's no ceiling on how fucking weird you want to make them. Right. So we had a whole army of just android-looking women, yeah. But the game still treats them like they're the hottest of the hot. So when it's <laughs> like, oh, I have a special request, I want to hear, I want to see Yuki. It's like, okay, here she comes. She's a nightmare, and the game's still like, ooh la la, like so. There's a lot of really interesting elements there to it, and it's super addicting. Mm-hmm. And so that is absolutely on my list. Not just of like, it's a great Yakuza game, Just of all time, time-sucking minigame greatness, that is absolutely Cabaret on my Club. list. Cabaret Club. Cabaret Club is 100% on the list. And I know I'm not alone, because I literally shoehorned it into
0: the second game remake mm-hmm. because it was so popular. Mm-hmm. Now, I got really into the pocket mini minigame. Yes. Um which is um, mini slot car racing. It's, yeah, it's mini slot car racing. So you have you throughout your journey in Camarocho, you can find all these different car parts. So you can get like different tires, different bodies, different uh, I don't know whatever different engines engines and, engines and, and gears and, and, yeah. and frames, yeah, yeah. Um, and different basically the, the gist of the mini game is matching trying to find the, collecting all these parts and trying to match the parts to the course.
1: Which, that is the most mind-blowing part of that minigame for me, is not the typical racing Mm minigame, where it's like, you gotta race around the track, and is your engine fast enough? It's like, the racing aspect is very minimal. You're just kind of like, it's going on its own. You're almost watching it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more based on, can you find the combination that is going to bring you victory? And I found that as a very interesting mechanic... To introduce into this and not just do the easy
0: route, which is like, that's basically a Mario Kart. You get to yeah. build your own car. Because, like like you said, it's not about—it's not just about who has the fastest car. It's not just speed, because there will be some courses, like, hey, this course has really tight turns. If your car is too fucking fast... You fly the fuck off of that thing. You're going to fly right off the turn. Yeah. Or this one's got jumps, so you have to have, you know, your car has to have it has good... It to be light enough. Has to so be that light it can make the for, jumps. Right, have the, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So it's all about collecting these car parts and matching them to the courses, which also has its own mini game. Yeah, and storyline and yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, emotions and character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's a very, very interesting. So, yeah, that one's hilarious. That was well. my favorite. Was Excellent. Um,. Another uh, mini game I wanted to mention is not actually in Yakuza 0. Ooh. It's in uh, it's in 1. Kiwami 1, yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. It's in Kawami 2. Okay. Majima Construction. Oh, which okay. Which is basically a tower defense game uh-huh. <laughs> where um, you have certain uh, assets that you're trying to protect. And you have these different, um, I guess you'd say like soldiers in the field. Mm-hmm. But they're all characters in the game. So your main one is Majima. And so he's got like crazy stats and he can like kill a bunch of people and so you're just sort of building up you know your armies essentially and mm-hmm. reinforcements and it's sending wave after wave of enemy and you have to protect it and all that and there's different power up so again it's, it's basically the the mobile game that we didn't cover in cabaret club <laughs> here's the way to cover that one it's yeah, like yeah. your tower defense basic game and so that's fun and really again it's the window dressing is what really makes that because a tower defense game is a tower defense game like whatever mm-hmm. but it's Majima Construction. It's his construction company. So, a he refuses to wear a shirt. He's only shirtless with a hard hat on, which is just an amazing visual already. And then, b when you, every time you you win around, you make it through the the waves. It does a little cutscene of whatever your team was mm-hmm. all standing proudly. Singing the Majima Construction like theme song while Majima just like slam dances in front of them, and so it's a very <laughs> great reward system in that front of like, yes, I can watch that a thousand times, thank you, game, I'll play it again. <laughs> um, so that's that was another winner for me
0: in the games field. Do we want to transition into talking about our top five minigames? Well, those are two, that was literally okay. two oh, of my top oh, oh, five. Oh, 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 okay. Um, so you were already counting that I, yeah. was five and four, that was five and four, yeah. All right, so. I'm going to start with my five. Well, can I do an honorable mention? Okay, yes,
1: yes, yes. yes, Uh, yes, yes, Since we're still on the topic of mm -hmm. Yakuza. Yeah. uh, The telephone talk (laughs) in in Yakuza 0. So mm -hmm. they talk about, uh, in the late 80s, that there's, like, telephone clubs, which is basically like phone sex places. But you're supposedly connecting with other live people, Mm -hmm. and uh, the idea is to, like, hopefully meet up and hook up at some point. Okay. Um, However, how the game treats it is, it's a, basically like a Mad Lib. Yeah, With all the choices around, just sort of floating around the screen and you have to pick and shoot what you want to say. But of course, to add the difficulty level, the best answers are the smallest targets right. and the real dumb and awful answers are gigantic. <laughs> so when you're talking to quote unquote a cute girl right. and you want to ask her what color hair she has uh-huh. and instead it's like, you know... What do your farts smell like? Is the big target that's going yeah, yeah, around? You're like no, 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 no! It's so, <laughs> so intense from being such a silly, silly concept of like, well, don't ask her if she's a man. Like that's just yeah. like, why
0: do you sound like a? You have a very manly voice. Yeah, it's yeah. like no, I didn't want to say that. Like yeah, it's,
1: yeah. it's a very silly concept of like, <laughs> oh, it's like a flirty kind of simulator game but let's turn it on its ear in terms of, like, oh, you better not pick something stupid to say. Like, (laughs) oh, no! Like, that, I thought, was a hilarious kind of idea as well. And then, of course, window dressing again. When Kiryu picks up the phone, it's a very dramatic, like, Mm -hmm. reveal of it as he answers and all that. Oh,
0: yeah. No, I love... Yeah, right now, go YouTube that telephone club club minigame and just watch Kiryu answer the phone. It's an amazing cutscene.
1: So five and four for me were Cabaret Club and, and now is this in like order of importance or just, oh, just a yeah? hey, top five? Well, um, fucking Cabaret Club might be my number one then. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, well alright. So no. whatever, whatever. I'll, I'll be out of order, you hey, get yours in order.
0: We'll do this in no particular order. Okay. okay, or you can be in no particular order, I'll be... Yeah, you uh, be in order because I feel like you so have a lot of thought speaking of like management, roster management games, my number five is in Final Fantasy X The Blitz Ball, which... Oh, yeah. Now, I know a lot of people... Fucking rolling hitting, their eyes right now. Rolling yeah. their eyes super hard at Blitzball. Uh, yeah, I know it's broken. I know it's, like, really shitty. I just love the idea of managing this, like, sports team, which... I've weirdly... Like, I know that those... It's its own sub-genre of games. On, like, Steam, right. there's all these, like, soccer management. Yeah. I've never got into that shit, but I love the idea of, like, managing my Blitzball roster and, like, leveling up these characters. Here's the thing.
1: I feel like you haven't gotten into that sub-genre because you know you're going to love that subgenre. Yeah. Like, you're going to be like, oh, what's yeah. my top fucking two games? Uh, number one, Final Fantasy VII. Number two, like, Cricket Simulator Management <laughs> 2017. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, that's going to be your new thing.
0: Yeah. No... Yeah, definitely, because I don't even think Blitzball is that good of a... It just scratches that, like, itch of, like, yes, let me it's be asset a... Asset management kind of, of thing. Yeah, let me be this roster managing thing, which is also what makes the Cabaret Club so good. Right.
1: So, interestingly enough, uh, you mentioning Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. um, I kind of cheated a little bit on this. I really grew to love the Chocobo Racing, Chocobo Racing, and okay. just kind of the Gold Saucer games in general. In Fuck seven. yes. That Fuck was yes. a huge thing. And, you know, it's one of those ideas... And, and Yakuza kind of does the same thing in terms of, like... Well, if you really wanted to get... If you wanted to get the absolute best summon in 7, you had to have a, a, a gold chocobo. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you got to jump through these hoops and do all this. And Yakuza kind of does the same thing. It's like, well, if you want to unlock these like other fight styles, which yeah. are absolutely buck wild, you have to complete Cabaret Club and I think the real estate... The real game, estate Kiryu, yeah. You have to complete those, and then you'll unlock these things. And so... It's a very interesting mechanic to introduce as a game developer of like, well, we know that these games are fun, but how do we convince people to come play them if this isn't their thing? Yeah. And it's like, well, you hold this basically behind you mm-hmm. know this wall. of like, well, you'll get this cool thing if you do this, and then you play it and you go, wow, this is actually a lot of fun. And that's kind of what I felt with the, the Chocobo breeding. Okay. It was like, it was sort of a, a necessary thing. Uh-huh. And I, if I remember correctly, it's been so long since I've played that, like, it introduces it as sort of, like, a you have to do it to a certain point. Yes,
0: yeah, there's... To get uh, through the desert. And, the, yeah, yeah, know. to escape the prison, you have to do a chocobo race. You know? Right,
1: and then also, like, there's a tiny bit of chocobo breeding that's that's somewhat needed to get across the one desert uh, with the, the... the
0: Well, yeah, you have to... It teaches you, you have to, like, uh, catch a chocobo. That's it, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: So it kind of, like, introduces it a little bit in the story, but then it's like, ah, there's a lot of, like, stuff you want to do, but you don't have to. But I grew to
0: absolutely love it. And then the mm-hmm. Gold Saucer games were fun, too. Like, those I were always a I fucking one. love all of those. I yeah. fucking love uh, the fucking uh, sword on the motorcycle yep. game, the submarine game. I played the fucking shit out of the snowboarding game. Well, also there was, the, what was the... Um I don't know what it was originally called, but it was like the dungeon one where, like, you yes. had to fight. Yes. And that was
1: where they introduced the Tonberries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing would scare the shit out of you as a 13-year-old more than seeing just that thing spawn. And then slowly, slowly, oh my
0: god! And you're just, like, throwing everything you can at it. Slowly walking towards you. Yeah, it's just to kind of poke um, you and in an instant death. Now, my number four is something I played very recently. Okay. Uh, in Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, lord. The gummy Ship is... All I cared about in that game. That is all I needed. Excellent. So the gummy ship is basically... The the narrative conceit is that to travel to all these different Disney worlds, Sora and his friends have to construct basically these Lego ships that magically fly to all these different Disney worlds. Uh, yeah, fuck the Disney worlds. I just want to fly my spaceships around. It, <laughs> it, it has a full 3D model editor. Where you can actually you you build out your spaceship and it has all these different stats so you can you know equip it with you know armor or different weapons or whatever and then you um, when you're flying in between these Disney worlds and this is actually new in Kingdom Hearts three is it's more like open world so you have like full control of your ship whereas in previous Kingdom Hearts games it was more of um like a, a, a constant scrolling shoot 'em up oh yeah I remember that this is more free roaming so, like, not only can you, like, get in battles with other, like... You can get in battles with, like, other boss-style ships. You can, like, do those constant scrolling shoot-em-up things, but also there's... It's just this big free-roaming environment, so They just always, put more effort in, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's more treasures to find and shit, but, uh... I, I could just build spaceships and customize spaceships. That scratches my... Spaceship building... Yeah, your architecture. If there was like, a... If there was a game that had, like, build your spaceship and then customize a roster of astronauts or something... Some shit like get that. Get on it, Lucas. What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> make it Imperial and be able to throw
1: Grand Moff Tarkin on there. And there you go. That's my fucking game right that there, is, yeah. It's the dream most boring game I think I could ever conceive of. King, Kingdom Hearts Gunship. Uh, go with your... Uh, the next one. since I, think I was I'm, gonna say, say we got off ahead. there. Yeah, we went yeah, yeah, yeah. ahead. Alright, so. so...
0: um, Next on my list, my number three... Uh, in, in, there's a lot of card games, mini-games. Uh, nothing got me more excited than The Witcher 3 and okay. its, uh, card, customizable card game, or, I guess, collectible card game, Gwent, which actually has a full physical release. Oh, boy. Um, they actually printed the actual, like, in-game Gwent cards. There's a physical release of Gwent, which I have. Um, it's good. It's, it's, um, it's... A, it's kind of an archetypical card game where you have like an army of dudes and you're trying to kill the other person's army of dudes before they kill your army of dudes right um, it, it's nothing special in that regard but there's a lot of strategy in choosing your units uh, building your deck um, there's like different units can target uh, different rows you have like three different rows where you can place your units um, anyway there's there's a good amount of strategy in it interesting, interesting. yeah interesting okay Gwent um, so for my next one yeah
1: which I think is two, mm-hmm. theoretically, for me. Sure. Um, again, I cheated again. Okay. Um, the bonus stage, the, the emerald bonus stage from Sonic 2, where you're running down the long tube uh-huh. and collecting the rings. Uh-huh. I fucking love that mini game. And then also, adjacent to that, if we're really getting specific, the giant slot machine in uh, Casino Night that yes. you could jump into. Yeah. yeah. I probably played that for like an hour at a yeah. time. Like, yeah, just yeah. keep sitting, losing rings. <laughs> Keep going, jump back in. I probably developed a gambling addiction based off of that alone. (laughs) Based on some... And that's not even a mini game. That's just like, hey, here's some dumb shit to distract you while you run the clock out. Because you're fucking 10 and you don't know how this game works. Um, But just the bonus level for that particular game Mm -hmm. was so interesting to me. Because it was such... Especially when I was first playing it, right when it came out, I was a kid. So having a 2D flat plane platformer Right. suddenly go 3D for the bonus yeah, level that was crazy yeah. the music was super yeah. engaging it was so exciting bow, bow, and electric bow, 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 bow. and
0: bow, bow, bow.
1: it was also two player because you had tails behind you That's right. it, it, and the thing of it was if you didn't play it on two player you kind of got fucked cuz tails was always yeah. like a few seconds behind yeah. you yeah he could so yeah it would cost you rings and then if you didn't have a good partner that would cost you rings because they couldn't keep up. Right. Um, But that was just one of those things where like, especially in that era and in your 2D platformers, um, making really engaging bonus stages can sometimes be difficult. Mm -hmm. Because even in Crash Bandicoot, like some of those bonus levels aren't that much fun and you're just like trudging through them just because you're like, well, I need all the boxes because I get the gem. Whereas with Sonic, even when they got really tough in that second game, because, you know, some of the Emeralds, it was like, hey, nothing but bombs. Um... It was still so exciting and so bright and colorful mm-hmm. and so well made that, like, even though the frustration was there, as soon as you hit that checkpoint, it'd be like, ding and then it had a little glow above it. You're like, oh, I hit the brakes, go back, i got to play this. So that was, like, one of the most engaging kind of mini game of its own. Um, and I know that they've, I, I didn't love the one in 3 as much where you had, like, the pin, pinball kind of yeah. goofiness. Yep. I didn't like that one as much. Yeah. Um, and I know that they've kind of come back around circle with some of the new releases to kind of try. I was to gonna say, that.
0: I cannot believe you didn't mention Mean Bean Machine inside. Again, mean. if I
1: could just cheat and be like, my favorite mini game is this other full game that I loved as a child, then I would have done that. But I felt guilty being like, oh hey, you know what my favorite thing is playing Galaga in the middle of like this other arcade game from another game from a couple years ago. Like that's well, not that really counts because
0: you can play like. Um, Oh, a space harrier inside Yakuza. That's or... what I'm
1: saying. Like That would be that. Or like off-roading or whatever the hell it is. Or yeah. Virtual Fighter. It's like, that's not really
0: a mini-game. It's, <laughs> it's a full yeah, yeah. game that you're playing in another game. But what we're talking about is in Sonic Mania, after you play through... Spoilers for Sonic Mania, I guess. After you right. play through the equivalent of, what, Chemical Plant Zone? In uh, Sonic Mania... You just play Mean Bean Machine with Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, it's sort of like your end-of-the-level boss there. Yeah, instead of fighting a boss, you just play him in Mean Bean Machine. And I think if you get a certain amount of the bonus stages... You unlock like, it as a full game to yeah, play. Yeah, which... I, I remember when the Nintendo Switch first came out, they were um, selling, like, Puyo Puyo Tetris. Yes! Puyo Puyo Tetris is, like, a standalone... It was, like... if It was, like, 40 or $50. It was, like, a standalone game. Uh... But also, when the Switch first came out, Sonic Mania was on the Switch and has Mean Bean Machine unlockable, which is basically Poyo Poyo. Which is basically Poyo Poyo for like half the price. I was like, "Well, I'll just get Sonic Mania, which is an amazing game in by itself." And Uh, also, if I really want to play Poyo Poyo, I've got an option. Exactly, and you can play it two player. Like, um, uh, yeah, it's basically just a full smart smart consumer. Yeah, that's right, man. Uh, what was your number two? My number two... I have to pull my notes back up. My number two... Oh, yeah. Is um, probably, like, the first minigame that got, like, really, really... I don't know. It's the first thing I think of when I think of, like, a game with a minigame, which is fishing inside of Ocarina of Time. Very true. Which, um... There's a bunch of things I love about that fishing minigame. The first thing is I think it lends the world of Hyrule in Ocarina of Time. Like, a uh, a sense of, like, realism, like, okay, here's what the residents of Hyrule do when there's downtime, like, there's this fishing hole where they can just hang out, which, which also, god, if my memory serves correctly, there's, like, a big, it's right, like, in the middle of, like, Lake Hylia, and there's no way, you have to, like, swim to get to the fishing hole, so I was wondering, does, like... Everyone who wants to go fishing in the fishing hole just has to swim through this lake. And... Grandpa, get your ass in the
1: swimming gear and let's go.
0: But it also serves the function, like, the same thing as um, the minigame, the same purpose that the minigames serve in Yakuza, where it's a nice breakup to the, like, intense pace of the stories, um, because, like, if the narrative is getting, like, really heavy, it's like, hey, this, this shit's getting intense. I just want to chill out and do some fishing for a second. Right, true. Like, it, it kind of gives you, the player, the ability to control the pace of your... like It's you like know. if in the middle of Schindler's List, Bob Ross came
1: out and painted a yeah, it's picture, like You're like, oh, let me just relax for a minute. <laughs>
0: this is getting really intense. I need to chill out for a sec. that, but I love that that game generated the same type of fishing stories that actual fishing, like, does. Because, like, you know, like... There's a reason, like, oh, it's a big fish tale. Like, right, yeah. Like, I caught a fish this big. Like, bullshit. No, you fucking didn't. Right. That's a fucking lie. Uh, Ocarina of Time, the fishing minigame, there is... This is actually real! I'm not making this shit up! You can catch the Hylian Loach. Which... By the way, you, you're having two reactions... You're, you're having three reactions to that. You're like, yes, I know. Uh, what the fuck is the Hylian Loach? You're making this up. Or... There, I've seen the loach, and there's no fucking way you can catch it, you liar. You can catch it. You can fucking catch the loach. I've caught the loach. So there's this giant fish that only appears in the fishing pond sometimes. Okay. So like that's why some people d- don't d- don't even believe this loach exists because you'd be like, hey, there's this loach in the bottom of the fishing po- fishing pond, but there's a random chance it's just not even there. So people will go in to check for the loach and be like, bullshit, it's not there because right. you can put hack on- hacksaws hacking. Yeah. You can put on, like, Link's iron boots and walk along the, the bed of the lake and, like, see pretty well the, you know, bottom of the lake and, like, no bullshit, there's no loach. Yes, it is. It's there. There's a random chance that he'll appear. It's like a one in, I don't know, ten chance or something like that. I don't, I don't know, whatever. Um, but then you have to unlock the secret sinking lure in order to catch the loach, which is also its own, like, secret thing. Rigmarole, yeah. Yeah, so you have to get the special lure to catch the loach and like, the battle with the loach is, like, super intense because it's, like, pulling you all over the place. Anyway. It's real! You can catch it! I promise. It's a thing. <laughs> I've caught it. The Hylian Loach and <laughs> the, Operative the, Time the the reactions.
1: No duh. What are you talking about? And bullshit, no, you can't. So <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's really any good uh, minigame mm-hmm. should have that kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. you know, reaction. Alright, so my number one... Um, it really goes, not so much, in, it, it kind of goes somewhat in the opposite direction of what we've been talking about. Okay. In terms of like a great mini game should be a distraction and should be fun and should be somewhat lighthearted. hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the opposite of that for me. But I put so much time into it that I remember more distinct elements of it than the actual game itself that it was buried in. Mm-hmm. And that's the mercenaries mode in Resident Evil 4. Yes! Yes! That was absolutely stand out for me. That almost made my list. That was so much fun yeah. and so stressful and really you got a sense of accomplishment out of it because mm-hmm. really the name of that game, so basically what it was was you got to pick from a series of characters mm-hmm. and you basically had, it was almost like a time trial mode. You had to yeah. kill a yep. certain amount of you know monsters or what have you to set this high score in yep. different um, basically rooms, we'll say, mm-hmm. but they were different environments. Um and so you could unlock other characters if you did particularly well and blah, 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 blah. But it was basically, very rarely in minigames do you, do I feel that, like, I'm getting better in terms of skill. I always feel like there's just a lot of luck right. involved in certain minigames. And this one was a lot of skill. Like, you had to get really good in terms of, A, knowing the layout, B, knowing the strengths and weaknesses of the character you were picking, like what was the best strategy? Where where should you go? Because it was somewhat open, mm-hmm. so you could make mistakes and be like, "Oh, I took the long way to get around here, where all these enemies are." And so I just remember pumping in so many hours. Yeah, same. Because I had to unlock Hunk and I had to unlock Wesker. Yeah. And holy shit! And I don't want to play as Ada because she's slow. Like I just <laughs> there was all this
0: effort put into that. I yeah. had a killer high score with Hunk on the oh, I, on I had, the like the like harbor dock. No, tell- that's the one I remember most is the yeah. harbor area because yeah, yeah. I remember.
1: um there was like a door to go inside that they yeah. that a ton of them would uh, blockade again and like keep busting the door open and just like kick the shit out of somebody and slam the door so that they couldn't bum rush you basically mm-hmm. if, you, if you made them open the door then it bought you a moment to breathe to set up your next move mm-hmm. but yeah no mercenaries for Resident Evil before was like absolutely the most paramount I remember really really focusing and dedicating that because I wanted to unlock these other characters and yeah. it was just a very interesting. You know, it's basically like, oh, well, we're just going to take the action pow-pow elements of the game and boil it down to, like, its most tense and most exciting elements. And so I thought they did a great job with that.
0: Yeah. No, the reason that makes Hunk so great, by the way, here's a little tip. Here's a little strategy tip. Hunk starts out with a ton of ammo because he's got right. that submachine gun, but he also should silence his cell phone because right. he's not being very professional on this right. podcast. But he also has a... Uh, his like action, quick time action. Once he stuns a zombie, he can snap, snap that neck, baby. Snap their neck, which kills them instantly. But more importantly, it's a really fast animation. Right. So you can you're not burning a lot of time. So you can because like, uh, Leon
1: had like the the German suplex, which yeah. took forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember what Krauser's was. Um, I don't either. And I want to say Wesker's was like the big power. Stream. Yes. So his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his took a his. Uh, spread out in a good wide variety, but
0: Hunks mm. was absolutely the, the quickest. Yeah. And
1: you could chain them, like you could snap a neck, stun, yes. snap a neck, stun. That's snap, exactly snap.
0: what my strategy was: stun, snap neck, stun, snap neck, stun, snap oh, neck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, God, go play some mercenaries. <laughs> <laughs> my number one favorite mini game. Uh, you brought this up earlier. Uh, oh. Going back to the Final Fantasy series, and the best. My my call for the best video game minigame is the battle square in Final Fantasy VII? That's what it was. Okay. The battle square in the Golden Saucer. Here's what makes the battle square so great. Um, so because so many games have like gauntlet runs, right, right. But this was a whole different thing. No. So the great thing about the battle square was, uh, it had like a push your luck mechanic. So it was a series of fights, but after each fight, there was like a roulette wheel that spun that had like just a bunch of bad shit on it. So after each fight there would be a random thing that would happen to you that was bad. It was like, hey, your health just got cut in half. Hey, your level just got cut in half. We disabled all your magic materia. We're, you're not allowed to use items anymore. Like you can't attack. Right. Like and it was and these things stacked. So battle after battle. So, you know, you you can't attack next battle. You can't use magic. Like oh, like oh fuck. Like what am I going to do now? And it just kept stacking and stacking. So there was um uh, a push-your-luck mechanic. So, after each battle, it would be like, hey, you want to keep going, or you want to call it quits? Like, this is getting pretty intense. Um, which is also one of my favorite mistranslations in the original version of Final Fantasy VII. It would be like, do you want to keep going? The two options were yes, or off course. With oh, I of, remember, yeah, that's I'm right. I'm going to keep going off course! Yeah, that was very odd. No? Um. Uh, but the reason... Uh, this this mini game was so great was um, one of the weaknesses of um, like a lot of turn based battle systems where you have like a customizable roster is you can build and this is especially true in Final Fantasy VII you can build one strategy or one like or a couple strategies with characters that can defeat anyone right so like you can equip cloud or you know somebody else on your roster with the best materia. You know, you can have the auto counter, you can have the magic counter, and you can just make your your party so great that like it doesn't matter who you're fighting, you're going to win. The thing that's great about the battle square is that random you Bullshit. could you could have the absolute best yeah. of the best and that still does not guarantee exactly. victory. Exactly. Exactly. Like that thing, hey, that great materia you had disabled now. Like can you think on your feet? Like, are you, can you, you know, develop strategies on the fly to cope with all this bullshit? Um, so it, 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 whatever, encourages all of these, like, creative emergent strategies. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot more strategic thinking as opposed to just, like, memorized button pressing. So, without
1: delving too far into you as a player. Yeah. Do you feel like. Oh, do you think that's just appealing to me? No, I'm saying. Uh uh-huh. The. Road that I see that that goes down the fact that you were able to sense this at a young age, right? Because when did you play Final Fantasy
0: VII? Oh, god, for the first time I was in like middle school, I right? Don't know. Yeah,
1: so you that not only captured your attention, but then you figured out the game of mm-hmm. okay, so this is a think on my feet, build a strategy as it goes sort of mechanic. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like maybe that, and again, we don't have to delve into this for this episode, but do you feel like maybe that sort of set you on the path? Of being a
0: better Smash player, <laughs> because the, fighting games is a lot of thinking on your feet, adaptation, yeah, and strategy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and, mm-hmm. and the fact that you
1: met with this mm-hmm. philosophy mm-hmm. in this setting, and you rose to that occasion, mm-hmm. Opens you up to adaptation of oh, that That's... in other in other ways. Because, for instance, when I ran into that, mm-hmm. I went fuck this shit, I'm out of here. <laughs> and that was that. Okay. So, perhaps the fact that you were able to read into that and rise to the occasion suddenly put that as a tool in your repertoire Man, to go like, oh, I know how to adapt quickly and build a strategy as a I go. That's a very
0: interesting psychological analysis. That's to build the plane as you fly. Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. That's another episode. That's another I, yeah, topic I don't, for another episode. I don't know yeah. how to answer that. But yeah, the, the combination of the like think-on-your-feet strategy and the push-your-luck Hey, do you want to keep going? The this, this shit's getting really bad. Uh, like those two things, like, Mwah! like yeah. that's amazing. Excellent. Love that shit. Yeah. Excellent. Um, what a great set of mini games. Yeah, those are some. Go play those mini games. <laughs> exactly. um, so uh, we usually have a tradition at the end of the show. Uh, all of the hosts can uh, endorse or recommend, you know, a, a movie, a game, some music, you know, an activity, a product, okay. whatever. Uh, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna recommend. Some music to use. Oh, excellent. Okay. Uh, This is some music I know you've heard before. Uh, There's an artist on the internet known as Neil C.C. Rega. Okay. Who does remixes and like. Um, I, what, well, there's a genre that was really big a couple years ago.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I that know were you just, were into that. This. Were just mashups. Yeah, mashups. Yeah, but usually, what that is, and the, the the game of it is, oh, hey, I found two songs that share the same BPM. Yeah, and now I've put them together, which is really
0: easy to well, I, not really, I, relatively, but relatively easy. It does when, not
1: necessarily automatically mean like that there is artistic intent. It can be very right, yeah. robotic.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Neil C.C. on the other hand...
0: Yes, yes.
1: That same philosophy, but also, hey, here's some weird clips from, like, Home Improvement that I've put in here. (laughs) And here's this weird layer cake of noise and music and elements and references. That
0: takes on a life of its own. Yeah, that tells a story almost. Yeah, well, I love his, like... So you said there's, like, two... um, like, a lot of the, the mashups, the, whatever, less creatively ambitious mashups, will just take two songs with a, a similar beat and mash them together. Uh, Neil takes two, like, well, some of his songs, he's take, like, two themes and mash them together. He mashed together the theme to Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's right. Psycho, the, like,
1: ba 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 ba
0: with uh, Love Shack. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, it's, like, this, like, but it, it, it's, like, the B-52's Love Shack, reimagined as like a horror theme which is like really interesting but also he does um some of my favorite tracks by him are just called Piss and Shit yeah there are two yeah. different tracks one's called Piss and one's called Shit and he's taken these pop songs like really ultra catchy like pop song. he seems to have an affinity for like late 90s early 2000s pop yeah. which is probably I'm he's roughly the same age as us so yeah. probably when he was growing up what was popular when he was growing up and mashing them together so, yeah, it's just these pop songs that just mash together, take on a new life and new meaning of their no, own. No,
1: never have I had an artist where multiple listens, I've caught
0: another yeah. weird like yeah, yeah. or another element. yeah, yeah. He also has an obsession with Smash Mouth. Right. Which was very popular. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of the most popular mashup things. And he, memes. Yeah. In yeah, general. Yeah. He has a particular obsession with uh, Somebody Once Told Me yeah. song by Smash Mouth. Yeah. All to the point where... All Star. Yes. Thank you. He has, I think, three of these albums out there called uh, the Mouth Trilogy. There's one called Mouth Sounds, Mouth Silence, and Mouth Moods was the third one. I think Mouth Silence... Every single track on Mouth Silence has either, um, either has Smash Mouth's All-Star, or maybe I'm thinking of Mouth Moods, I don't know, either has, one of these albums either has All-Star, like, mixed in it somewhere, or there's a reference to it, or there's, you know, in the metadata, if you, like, explore the song.
1: Well, yeah, two of them were, um, either the, the All-Star was in it, or mm-hmm. there was, like, a reference to it or something like that, but then the, I think it was Silence.
0: Uh-huh. There was no all star in it at all because people assumed that he was yeah, like yeah. pigeonholed. We're like, oh, you
1: can't do it if you're not incorporating. Yeah. Basically, group. his
0: first album was all smash or right. all star. Yeah,
1: and so he was like, all right, all of these songs will not have any kind of yeah. Smash Mouth reference in them. But then, like the track order yeah. spelled out
0: all star yeah. and like in the metadata of it. So, like he's, somebody once told me, yeah, he's putting yeah.
1: so much thought and craziness into this. It's an excellent choice.
0: One of the songs I mentioned earlier, "Piss." There is like a beat where it's like, <laughs> which is somebody once told me in yeah. Morse code. Yeah, I was like, that is amazing. Yeah, like... no, it's really Buckwild. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. Uh, Annoyed Grunt is a favorite of mine mm-hmm. because that has a definite like at the apex of that song. It definitely is like a wall of noise, but there are so many things going on. There's um, Disturbed and there's Home Improvement yeah. sound bites and there's. Um, in the summertime, and yeah. uh, there, there's so much going there's on. There's video the, game the, sounds like, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah, so there's so much going Lost on. Austin Powers. So it's one of those things where, like, the more you listen to it, the more you're like, uh, what's that was that Yoshi sound?
0: From-? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's so weird. Uh, also, I'd recommend Smooth, which is a mix of Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal, uh, Santana's Smooth, Smooth yes. so, and The Bare Naked Ladies. Um, uh, no, it's not One Week. What's their. Or is it? No, it, it is, is one week. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, smooth is very good. Anyway, what what is your... So I'm going with something, I'm recommending something that I haven't even played yet. Yeah, well, uh, I know what this is, and so I'm super excited about We were watching, it. in preparation yes. of this episode, we yeah.
1: were watching some other Yakuza stuff, and so the same development team, sort of, uh-huh. kind of, that, yeah. that has made the Yakuza games is now making what they call, like, a spin-off. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really seem like a spin-off narratively, it just seems like a spin-off structurally. Mm-hmm. Um, it is well, a new
0: it's not Kiryu it's right, it's a new whole characters. new
1: game and whole idea but, it but still takes
0: place in Kamurocho
1: right it still has a similar layout to right. it I would say but it's called Judge Eyes in, in Japan or Judgment here worldwide yeah. mm-hmm. um, and James you had pointed out before we recorded it, it seems like a much more well polished it seems like the next step in evolution yeah. to the Yakuza games but mm-hmm. it's like somewhat open world seems to have a lot of real wacky mini games involved I am so excited for the minigames there's yeah. like a VR board game minigame
0: there's drone racing mini minigames yes.
1: which drone racing was extra funny because uh, Luna my wife and I were at uh, a Buffalo Wild Wings one day mm-hmm. and it was like the middle of the day on like a Saturday so there was I'm no ESPN thunder. right and ESPN was playing drone racing and we we were like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but by the end of it they were like do you want your check or not and we were like shut up shut up shut up Gotta see who wins this! Like, it's so weirdly engaging to watch. Yeah. Um so no, but, yeah, the but drone, drone racing,
0: racing seems like the evolution of the pocket, pocket racing, racer, which you already enjoyed. Because it's just customizing drones, which yeah. I'm and adjusting
1: and adjusting your stats and what sign you know, up. do you keep it lightweight? Do you have more power? Like that kind of a sign thing. Sign me up. Um but because it's Sega, there's also a House of the Dead mini-game in it. Yes. Um darts yeah, uh, all kinds of bonkers yeah. stuff, and it seems like the story itself is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm recommending that when that comes Judgment. out, which is supposedly Q2? later this year. Yeah,
0: Q2, Q3, so, so sometime in the summer, probably.
1: Yeah, very excited to see that. Yes, um, and then we also talked about so uh, so far in the remakes of the Yakuza series. So we've got Zero starting us off, which is obviously our topic today. We've got Kiwami One, which is a HD remake, remake and reimagining, kind of polished. Uh, version of Yakuza 1. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Kiwami 2, which is the same thing for 2. But they've announced that they're not really going through and remaking the rest of the series Three, to four, catch up to 6. six. six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just going to re- release HD remakes, basically. That's which fun, is yeah. going to be, you know, basically the original with some Photoshop
0: on Because I think 3 was a PS3 game already, right?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, I'm obviously very excited to see those, because now I'm Mm -hmm. committed to the series. But... But on the in-between, A, who the hell knows when those are going to come out. So, A, I've got judgment to look forward to. B, right here and now, I have the Fist of the North Star game to look forward to. Which, side note, I have never, nor will I ever watch an episode of that show, because I don't give a shit. Right. But, the fact that it's Yakuza, same team, same development, same Mm -hmm. sense of humor... But it's post-apocalyptic Mad Max. I'm in. I'm 100% in. And we watched some of the mini-games on that as well. We did. And it also has a cabaret club. It has a cabaret club. I'm 100%
0: in. But also, there's DLC where you can replace Kenshiro, which is the The main character character of uh, Fist of Notar, with Kiryu. There you, you can go. going just be Kiryu in a, the wasteland. They yeah. can
1: do that with any game and I'll fucking buy it. They could be like, no, 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 here you go.
0: it's Choo Choo Rocket, <laughs> yeah. but your ship is fucking Kiryu. I'd be yeah. like, day one, I'm buying it. Super Kiryu Brothers. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm watching Watch him of Kiryu in. instead of Mario and Luigi. Yeah. Exactly. I'm super in. Um, Hollow yeah. Knight, you want me to pick up that fucking piece of shit again? Kiryu. Put mate. Kiryu in there. Yeah. Have him fight bugs. That's mm-hmm. fine with me. <laughs> See, yeah, this is a very yakuza heavy uh, episode, as it, it should be. Go play those games, man; they're good. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, just some quick plugs. Yeah. Uh, oh yes. What, what projects are you involved in? Oh, so many. Um, uh, I, plug your favorite projects. I was going to say, I'm here on behalf uh,
1: as a brand for uh, Fully Gimmicked, which is a merchandise brand. Um, we're also what kind of merchandise do you have? Primarily wrestling. Okay. However, uh, we do dabble in video games, and we're looking Ooh. to branch that out a little bit more. Ooh. Uh, Where are, do I go if I want to check out Fully Gimmick stuff? FullyGimmick.com okay. is the website. Uh, also, kind of adjacent to that, we have uh, She Wolf Media on mm-hmm. Etsy. Okay, All one word. We've actually done some enamel pin releases on that particular website, and I am working on a Yakuza pin yes. to release, which is going to be Kiryu and Majima in their karaoke attire as a giant enamel pin. So we'll be releasing that. I have some video projects as well, but who the hell knows when those are going to come out,
0: so I'm not going to worry about that. But right oh, about okay.
1: Fully Gimmicked, She Wolf Media. Go check those out. Do it. uh, And Mean Stream Machine, of course. Yes, that's our... On again, off again, let's play project. (laughs) Our
0: sister YouTube channel. Yes. I believe this channel... Well, if you're watching this on YouTube, Good Games, is subscribed to Mean Stream Machine. Uh, So if you need the link, look in the subscriptions tab. Uh, It should be there. And you can hear us you can, screaming. You can and, hear both Zach and myself be assholes while we play video games. Yeah, much
1: less uh, cohe- coherent than what, what you're hearing. Yeah, no, it's I'm just, just even us barely coherent.
0: screaming and being jackasses. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are all my plugs. Alright, good shit. Um, well then, for the Good Games Podcast, I've been James. I am Zach Romero. And we'll see you next time. Uh, in in there's a lot of card games, mini games, and so you have like I remember Final Fantasy 8 was, um, was a big one that I remember. That was what? Uh, not Tetramaster? Um, no, I didn't even think it had a real name. It was a sort no, of no. Like, it hey, it's name. some bullshit. Wait, it is Tetramaster, right? Yes, because I don't remember. Final Fantasy 9 is Quad. Oh god! No. Every time you keep bringing up new names, I'm like, oh, they just got worse over time. I, I forgot. People are screaming. Like Final Fantasy fans who are listening to this are screaming right now. The one in eight is. It's not Tetramaster. That's nine. It's butthole. It's the one it's, in eight. It's, it's uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, is what it's called. <laughs> in eight. Uh, I have Exodia. Li- <laughs> it's fucking blue uh, eyes white dragon squall is what it is. um What what the fuck is it called? I don't know and I don't care. Yeah, I know <laughs> you don't care. I care. I have to see this. Triple Triad. God Triple damn. Triple Triad. Yeah. Oh how no. Yeah.